Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Turn with me to Mark, the second chapter, starting in verse 1. After a few days, Jesus returned to Capernaum, and the word got around that he was back home. A crowd gathered, jamming the entrance to the small house. No one could get in, no one could get out. He was teaching the word. They brought him a paralytic, carried by four men. When they weren't able to get in because of the crowd, they removed part of the roof and lowered the paralytic on a stretcher. Impressed by their bold faith or belief, Jesus said to the paralytic, Son, I forgive your sins. Some religious scholars sitting there started whispering among themselves, He can't talk that way. That's blasphemy. God and only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew right away what they were thinking and said, Why are you so skeptical? Which is simpler to say to the paralytic, I forgive your sins, or say, get up, take up your stretcher, and start walking? Well, just so it is clear that I am the Son of Man and authorized to do either or both, he looked at the paralytic and said, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. And the man did it. He got up, grabbed his stretcher, and walked out, and everyone there watching him, they rubbed their eyes incredulous and then praised God, saying, we never saw anything like this. How many of you know that when God does something mighty and God does something great, it's going to be something you've never seen before. God doesn't do a lot of average, ordinary things. Everything he does in your life is going to be above ordinary and above average. Now, when I think about this day, what an exciting day it had to be. Jesus was back home. He was in the house. The excitement had spread all through the town. There was a celebration taking place. You know how joyful it is when you go home and you see all your relatives and all the friends around and neighbors come over and there's great excitement and that's the way it was on this particular day. There was a feeling of expectation, not only around the little house on the outside where people were gathered and couldn't get in and they were trying to peek in through the windows and the doors, but great excitement and expectation inside the house. And and this is very significant because they knew that they were probably going to be witnesses to something extraordinary that day. And they kind of felt privileged. Have you ever like been at Disney or somewhere at a concert or something and you were 
really trying to get in and hoping you could get in and a guy was standing there with a chain and a counter and he's counting and you're just hoping, I hope I make it, I hope I make it. And you just barely get in and he clicks the chain and it ever, it's, you just feel so privileged like I made it, I got in. And I'm just assuming that's the way everyone felt who had made it and they had got in the door. Luke gave an account and so did Matthew of this same story in their book and I like Luke 5.17 said, and the power of the Lord was present to heal. So two things that are important here to understand. Jesus was back. He was in all of his glory. And Luke said not only was his presence in the house, but his power to heal and change lives was in the house also. You know what a sad truth is? A very sad truth is that there were many people that would be in that house that day that would leave empty-handed. They would leave without a miracle. You know why? because they didn't sense the presence of who was in the house, because they didn't sense the power of who was in the house. And I am so thankful for this story, from, for this paralytic who had inspired four of his friends to get him to this house so that he might receive a miracle. He realized the presence of God, and he realized the power of God that it wouldn't just simply be a demonstration of his power, but it would be a miraculous event. So today I've chosen a subject to talk about, and that subject is, I've only taught it twice today, deconstructive miracles. Deconstructive miracles. What is a deconstructive miracle? Each and every one of you who know God you're a deconstructive miracle. You're a miracle waiting to happen. What does that mean? You have all the components required as a believer to not only have miracles in your life, but to have a miraculous life and to live a miraculous life. But deconstructed miracles are, are needing a key ingredient and that key ingredient is construct. Anything that is deconstructed needs construct applied to it. And so here was the paralytic. He can't walk, he can't move, he can't get out of bed, he can't set up, he can't feed himself, he can't brush his teeth. You know what, it sounds like so many believers today. I can't do this, can't do that. This never works out for me. I don't have the ability to do this, do that. Listen, you can focus on that. You can focus on everything you don't have. You can focus on everything you don't possess as a believer. Or you can learn to focus and get some construct in your deconstructiveness and allow the miracles of God to be plenished and replenished in your life. We all possess the spiritual ability to recognize his presence in the house and to recognize his power to work miracles. But do we recognize it? We all have the ability, but if we're deconstructive miracles and we lack construct in our life, then we don't really realize that Jesus is present. I think about the men 
the disciples walking on the road to Emmaus. And this man joined them. And the Bible said as he talked, their hearts burned within them. And I like Luke's account. And Luke 24, 16 said their eyes were holden that they should not know him. It's possible for believers and Christians, even their hearts burning within them with excitement for the things of God, but yet they didn't realize they were in the presence of God. They didn't realize that the power for any miracle they had ever needed or a miraculous life was walking along beside them. We all as Christians and believers have the spiritual ability to sense not only the presence of God, but the power of God to bring a miraculous life. So here they come. Finally, this man, instead of focusing on, I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't walk. I can't get up. I can't set up. I can't feed myself. I can't dress myself. I can't even call an Uber camel to take me over there. (laughs) I can't, I can't, I can't. Finally, all of a sudden, he realized, hey, I've got some components. Nothing wrong with my brain. Nothing wrong with my spirit, man. My spirit is where God dwells. Therefore, I can have faith. And my brain can tell my mouth to speak. And he began to speak and have faith and said, get me over there to his friends. Get me to their house. His faith became contagious. They got fired up. Their faith got built up. They took him over there. And the Bible said when they got there, they couldn't get around the house or in the house. So they carried him up on top and began tearing the roof off of the house and letting him down on a stretcher through the roof. And I like what Mark said in Mark 2 and 5. When Jesus saw their faith, one of the other uh, writers in his book said their great faith. When Jesus saw their great faith, this man who was a deconstructive miracle but all of a sudden was bringing construct into his life, taking all the components that had been there all the while, mixing them with faith and seeing a miracle become the result of it. And when Jesus saw that, he marveled at the great faith of this man and the great faith that he engendered in his four friends. You see, when we really believe and we become a believer, things can begin to happen. When you get this realization that I'm talking about, your face is going to look different. Your worship is going to be different. Your attitude is going to be different. The totality of your life is going to be different. You're going to surrender your life to God. You're going to lay everything you are in his hands and you're going to open your life to his transforming power to make a miracle out of you. Now, when we realize his presence, and we realize he has the power and he's in the house, then our obstacles are no longer obstacles. So what would otherwise hinder us from reaching God and getting to God and receiving our miracle is no longer a hindrance. See, the four men refused to settle for the obstacles because the paralytic failed to settle for it. I'm not staying here in this bed. I'm not laying here another moment. 
I'm going to that house, get me there. And I don't know that it wasn't the paralytic that said, look, carry me up on the roof and tear the roof off. Let me down through the roof. I've got to reach this man. I've got to have my miracle. So these four men did exactly as he instructed them to do. And let me tell you what. You need to bring construct into the components that God has put in your life. All the components are in your life for the greatest miracle life that anybody could ever live. But you've got to bring construct into your deconstructiveness. You've got to bring construct. And there's no time for excuses. Get rid of your excuses. No time to blame your handicap any longer. No time to focus on what you don't have any longer. No time to blame other people for preventing you. If I just had somebody to put me in the water but no man cares about me. Stop blaming other people. Start, stop blaming your handicap. Stop blaming God saying, well, God, if you really were who you say you are and you really love me like everybody says you love me, then you would have already done this miracle for me. It's time to cast aside the ceiling tiles of excuses and lower ourselves down into the presence of God and let him take the deconstructive components of our life and construct them in a way that we can live a miraculous life. It's no time for considering expenses. Let me tell you something. I believe when Peter, when Jesus spoke to him and said, hey, Peter, come on out of the boat. Come out here with me and walk on water. Come on out here. You can either lose something or find something. Peter never considered the cost. He didn't say, well, I got my new Nike sandals on, got my, loose, got my new Nike robe on. I don't know if I want to get out there and get all this wet. It might shrink and ruin, and then I'd look terrible. He never considered the cost. He got out of the boat. He walked out on that water, and I'll tell you this. He walked on water and was the only one of the disciples that ever walked on water You'll never be the hands and the feet of Jesus sitting on your backside in the boat. You gotta get out of the boat and you gotta learn to walk on water. You're a deconstructive miracle. Get some construct in your life and you'll see miracles in your life as well. No time to consider the expenses. You know, I, I don't know who roofed that house, but I'm sure he got a prime price for roofing that house. But I want you to know the paralytic didn't think about the cost of the roof. What's this going to cost me if I give everything to God? What's this going to cost me if I don't have people waiting on me hand and foot anymore? I might have to get a job. I might have to do something. What, what is this going to cost me if I live a miraculous life? What is this going to cost me if I do let God use me in a mighty way? I promise you that paralytic never thought about the cost. He didn't think about how much those roof tiles cost or how much it was going to cost to get that reconstruction done of that house that they were tearing up to let him down on the inside. And I'll tell you something else. There's no time to consider the cost of embarrassment either. Some people are so embarrassed. Listen, don't ever let embarrassment get between you and God. Don't ever let embarrassment get between you and your friends. Too embarrassed to share the gospel. Too embarrassed to confront a friend. Too embarrassed to leave a situation that's potentially sinful and harmful to your spiritual life. Too embarrassed to serve God. Don't ever allow it. Rip the roof off. 
It don't matter who's watching. Look at that crazy thing up there tearing the roof off this man. It doesn't matter. The crazy man got the miracle. No time for excuses. No time to consider expense. There's no time to delay. Time becomes an obstacle. And you just put off till tomorrow what you are capable of doing today. These men knew that today was the day. What you fail to do today that lies within your power, you'll be adverse to tomorrow. That's what procrastination is. What you fail to do today that lies within your power, you'll be adverse to tomorrow. You know, because it's easier the next day to say no again. Now you've said no three days in a row. It's easier the fourth day to say no again. Easier the fifth day to say no again. You just become adverse to it. No time for delay. Don't allow the enemy to steal what God has for you. The construct that he wants to bring in your deconstructive life as a believer Don't allow the enemy to steal what God has for you today. It can't wait for tomorrow. It can't wait for conference in LA next year. It can't wait for Brother Wonderful to come to the church to preach. Do it today. And when Brother Wonderful comes, you'll have a great time because you'll have your miracle and be walking in your miracle. No time. For excuses, no time to consider the cost, no time for delay. It's time to receive and bring construct into your life. You know what I love about this? That Jesus looked at him, and when he looked at him, he said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. What? Are you serious? I can't walk. I can't move. I can't do anything. I mean, are you confused? It's obvious anybody can look and see what the miracle is I need. Don't tell me my sins are forgiven me. I need a physical miracle in my body. Isn't it interesting how the thing we always think of first that God needs to do in our life is the thing that God always does last. Because he knows the thing that you're needing him to do and you want him to do is is just symptomatic of something else that's causing the problem. And if he gets through to the real problem and cures the real problem and solves the real problem, then all of this will take care of itself. Sometimes you have to look through the obvious to the actual. So Jesus didn't speak to his body. He said, thy sins be forgiven thee. Then you know what the second thing he done was? Second thing that he did was he spoke to the man's thinking. And he didn't just speak to his thinking. The Bible said, I read it to you, that this religious leader said, well, who does he think he is? What does he think he's doing? He's not God. Only God can say thy sins be forgiven. And the Bible said, knowing their thinking, he said to them, So the second thing he had to do was straighten out some thinking, stinking thinking. Some thinking, stinking thinking. He had to get their stinking thinking straightened out. If you don't think right about God, 
God can't be who he needs to be in your life. So you've got to get, you got to get your, your stinking thinking straightened out. You know what's interesting to me about this? Is that sometimes God has to straighten out your homespun theology before he can even do anything in your life. See, the Pharisees were the religious people of the day. They had their own version of theology. They had a little homespun theology. He had to straighten out their thinking. And you know what? He gave them an opportunity that everything in their life could be straightened out if they would have received it, but they rejected it. You know, you can be right in the midst, just like the disciples on the road to Emmaus. They didn't, they didn't recognize they were in the presence of God. They didn't recognize who they were walking with. Just like the thief on the cross, he was hanging six feet from salvation. Salvation was six feet away and he mocked Jesus and died in his sins because he failed to realize he was in the presence of God and in the presence of the one that had the power to give him a miraculous life. This is a whole lot better than y'all are letting on. So he took care of his salvation first. You know, God wants to heal your, your sin sickness. He wants, to, he wants to help you deal with your sin first. He said, thy sins be forgiven thee. And I like the fact that one of the writers, I think it was Matthew, said, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. The other two didn't say that. In other words, have joy. Your, your body doesn't work, but there's nothing wrong with your mind and your spirit. The joy of the Lord is a spiritual thing. So be of good cheer. You know, you can always find something good to focus on. You don't have to focus on your handicap. You don't have to focus on what you don't have. You can swing that focus over to God and be of good cheer. So what did he do? He uncovered this man's sin. Then he uncovered this man's thinking. That's your sin-sick soul your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotion. God wants to heal your thinking. He wants to get your sin taken care of, heal your thinking, and guess what he finally got around to third? He got around to the obvious. You have to look through the obvious to the actual. He dealt with the actual. Sin, wrong thinking, then he got to the obvious. Everybody saw it, the body. And then he healed his body told him, said, take up your bed, your stretcher there, and go home. I love the fact that John's account said, and he did. (laughs) He just picked it up, got it under his arm, took off the door, took off out the door. God wants to restore all of this to you and bring a miracle into your life. Deconstruct, you're all deconstructive miracles. You just need construct in your life. I love the little story where Elijah was camped out by the brook. God had sent him there and he was drinking water from the brook and the ravens were feeding him, bringing food to him every afternoon. And God spoke to him and said, Elijah, I want you to get up and leave here. And he let the brook dry up so he didn't really have a choice. He said, I want you to get up and leave here. And I've got a widow woman, a widow woman that's going to feed you. And I want you to go over there and she's going to feed you. He got over there and there was this widow woman And the Bible said she had just drawn some water and had some water or was on her way to draw water. And uh, Elijah said, hey, 
would you get me some water too? And so she said, yes, I will. And she went on over and was getting, he said, no, by the way, I want you to make me a cake to eat because I'm hungry. And she turned around. I'm going to quote now. You can read it. This is an actual quote. She's holding on to this little basket. I have nothing. So you can kind of hear the words echoing. I can't walk. Can't feed myself. Can't brush my teeth. Can't dress myself. Can't go anywhere. Can't do anything. I have nothing. Here's another one. And then she said, I don't have a cake, and I like one of the writers who interpreted this and said, I don't even have a biscuit. He must have been from Alabama. <laughs> but I have nothing. And, and you know, God will let you just use all your excuses over and over and over. He'll let you just give them over and over and over. And, he's, and, and so Elijah just said, yeah, I heard you, I heard you, you have nothing, you don't even have a, a biscuit, but oh, by the way, go ahead anyway and make me a cake so I can eat. And so the Bible said she went and she opened up her nothing. And first of all, she had drawn some water, so she had water. Then she had in her basket a little flour in her barrel. Then she had in her basket a little oil. What is that? Components. She had the components. You're a believer. You have all the components for a miraculous life. She just didn't know she was in his presence. She just didn't know he had the power to bring construct to her deconstruction. Because you know what? To make a cake, need a little water, she had water. Need a little flour, she had flour. Need a little oil, she had oil. She had it all the time and didn't know it. You're a deconstructive miracle waiting to happen. Moses is walking around one day and God said to Moses, said, hey Moses, I, got, I, want, I want you to come over here. No, I can't speak, I'm tongue tied, can't talk. And not only that, we're from Manasseh, we're from the poor side of, of we're from over the cross the tracks over there. Our, my family's never been nothing. We have no reputation, no name. And, and he just let him say, bring all the excuses forward. You know, I can't walk, I can't do this. I have nothing, blah, blah, blah. I don't even have a biscuit. He let him go through all that. And he said, but you got a brother, hadn't you? His name's Aaron. I'll let him be a mouthpiece. You can't talk. But I put, a, I put a piece in your life, a component in your life. It's already there. And you know what God said about Moses later on? I've got to cut this short. He said, Moses was the greatest man that ever lived. He told someone that Moses was the greatest, the greatest to ever walk among men. He was a Winston Churchill of his day one of the greatest leaders the world would ever see. And Moses didn't know it, and neither did anybody else. But you know what he, he said? Moses, what do you got in your hand? Well, I got this rod here, my staff. Well, it had his whole lineage carved into it. He said, I got this rod here. I got this. And, and you know what? He had the rod. He had leadership ability that he didn't even know he had. He had all the components to become the greatest man that ever walked among men.
And you know what? David, God sent Samuel down to anoint a king for Israel. And when he sent him down, he looked at all of them. He chose Eliad and said, look, boy, look at his shoulder, just wide on the sky. He looked at all of them, chose Eliad and said, this is the one. And God said to him, said, man, looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the hearts, not any of these. Go over there and get David. He's watching the sheep. He didn't even have enough value to his daddy and his brothers to even invite to the party. Go get him. He stood up there and said, what do, you, what do you got? Well, I'm nothing but a shepherd. All I got is this sling here. And all I got is experience. I've killed bears, lions, and everything else that's tried to get the sheep. Had all the components. Had the sling. Had the leadership. Had the experience. Had all the components for a total miracle. And then it was a little small lad. He only had five loaves, a couple of fish, 5,000 people. One of the disciples said, what is so little among so many? But had the loaves, had the fish, he had the heart, had all the components to perform one of the greatest miracles that had ever been performed. Can I tell you what my favorite is in the whole Bible? A little bitty... uh, little bitty woman went to church had nothing you know one of these people I have nothing can't walk can't do I have nothing I don't even have a biscuit just one of these people I can't talk I'm from Manasseh my family's poor you know all the stuff we always throw out when we're a deconstructive miracle waiting for construct to happen And Jesus decided that day in church he'd go stand by the treasury and watch what everybody gave. You know what? The only people that have problems with money is you. God doesn't have a problem with it. He went over and stood by the treasury and watched what everybody put in. And this little widow had one mite. And you know what the Bible said? It represented everything that her life had compounded to be at that point in time. It was all she had. But she had another component. She knew in her faith that if she put everything she had on God, God would do something miraculous in her life. She dropped that one mite in and Jesus turned and pointed and said, you see that woman there? Said, she gave the least of everyone, but yet she gave the greatest because she gave her all. You have the components, all the components as a believer. They're in your life right now. Let Jesus bring construct into your life. Thanks for listening. Your generosity makes this broadcast possible. So if you'd like to be a part of what God is doing here, click give at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. Join us again for more great teachings like this one.